Welcome to the West Side Podcast. Each week, we'll take a relevant topic under the microscope to see what the Bible has to say about it. You will gain tools and information you need to support your faith walk and build Christ-centered families in Kansas City and beyond. I'm your host, Troy Kennedy. You know, you've heard their music and probably even sang some of their songs, so why are so many people saying that we shouldn't be playing their music? From churches like Bethel, Hillsong, and Elevation. Randy Frazee, our lead teaching pastor, joins me here today, and we're going to just address some of this and see what the Bible has to say about these churches and whether we should be concerned or not concerned about some of the things that have been raising their heads for the last couple of years. But before we do that, Randy has some things he wanted to talk about just to kind of share with our community as to why we're even bothering with this. Yeah, thanks, Troy. I've been looking forward to doing this for some time now, and particularly doing that with you, Troy. I really appreciate the mind that God has given you and your passion for Westside and for the Scriptures. So, uh, so for those of you who are part of Westside or even the broader community that uh, is connected to us in many, many ways, the primary reason why we wanted to do this is I did a message back in August mm-hmm. called Rise Above, and uh, you we will we will link that in the show notes uh, for you to listen to. I think it'd be a very good. Uh, and we just really talked about how there are these issues that are dividing us as a nation, as as Christians, right. and uh, and uh, and and every time we talk about them, you know, as pastors, you know, we're getting criticized, you know, and uh, and and uh, because we're being political or whatever. Right. And so what we really want to do is help our people to think biblically about these issues. Right. And uh, one of the things, Troy, we've talked about is a new study out by the Cultural Research Center mm-hmm. out of Arizona about the uh, only 6% of American Christians hold to a biblical worldview. And from a, uh, ages 18 to 29, it's only 2%. So seven out of 10 Americans claim to be Christians, but only 6% of them hold to a biblical worldview. And wow. so while I'd love to come in to church and talk about <laughs> hope and joy and peace, which we do and we want to, at some point we're going to have to help believers think about these issues that are that are emerging. And so we're going to c- cover a number of issues uh, in this podcast, and I hope that people will not only uh, listen to it for themselves, but share it with other people that might help right. them to think through it from a biblical objective point of view. Right. I think that's really exciting too, because in the podcast format, it's become so big in our culture, you're able to address topics that you really couldn't hit in like, you know, right. in detail. You can't really suss them out in a half an hour talk right. when you're by yourself on a Sunday morning. And our hope is in the context of a conversation like this, we'll actually be able to really um, really explore some of these, these things with some depth that is going to be an equipping time for people who are Christ followers and actually maybe give them a little bit more clarity about some issues they might be a little bit muddied on. Yeah, and I think it's about trust too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, you know, we were, I was talking with someone today about an article that came out in Christianity Today. Well, for years, mm-hmm. Christianity Today was considered this really trusted source. And some are suggesting maybe it's moving away right. a little bit. So you it used to be this trusted right. source, but maybe it's not anymore. So hopefully because of the relationship mm-hmm. that we have with the people that would be listening to this podcast, they're like, oh, I can trust Randy. I can trust right. Troy to because it gets very confusing out there. Right. So, And at the end of the day, you know, topics that might be a little bit 
uh, hot mm-hmm. for you. It might be a little bit on the edge for you. It might feel like we, we I just want to assure you, we are not pushing in any political direction <laughs> no. whatsoever. Our allegiance is the kingdom of God. Yes. We, we report to a kingdom that surpasses any bipartisan, any earthly yeah. kingdom. And so what we want to do is we want to show fidelity to scripture. And we want to follow Jesus in every area of our lives, including the difficult, difficult, yeah. uh, the ones you need the most clarity on, the ones that are most challenging you, the ones that you don't know how to articulate even truly exactly what you believe about a certain topic. And so hopefully this is really going to be helpful for you. Uh, yeah, I do. So it's all about rising above uh, all mm-hmm. of the, the fray down here and rising above to be focused on Jesus, right. to be focused on his word and, and to not tell you how to think, but to hopefully inform you. So the spirit within you, as mm-hmm. well as just the own, the mind that God has given you, we won't always finish like even this one, very first one we're diving into, right. uh, we won't necessarily finish with a definitive, this is what you must do, right. but we want to sort of address the topics yeah. and uh, and see where it might lead us. Yeah. So there has been some controversy, maybe you have or have not heard about this, stirring around a few globally influential churches in the worship movement, songs that you probably sung, mm-hmm. uh, artists and churches you probably heard of, churches like Hillsong that have influenced internationally, Elevation Church with Stephen Furtick, and even Bethel Church in Redding, California, um, who have had a bunch of great music, music that's blessed me, music oh, that I've really enjoyed and engaged in. I've been a worship pastor for a real long time, yeah. and I've used a lot of these songs, right. and they've been pretty terrific. But um, there are some folks who have expressed some concern about some of the practices and maybe some theological issues that they at least tacitly have observed in these churches. And so our question is, well, how does that impact whether we should or should not use their music? Yeah, and I think we'll dive into some of the issues that people are concerned about, but I think framing the actual conversation um, is basically, the thought is, if these movements are getting behind things that are heretical mm-hmm. or unbiblical is singing their songs in a way associating with them and funding the movement. Right. So that would be number one. Number two, some are asking, have we not been paying attention to the lyrics of the songs? Right. Have we been led down the wrong path because of the alleged uh, heretical points of view right. that these churches some have subversive had? Subversive things. Yes, going some on subversive out things. There. So mm-hmm. so one is, you know, you know, should we even be are the songs even correct? You know, have we been led down the wrong path, are they subversive? Number two, even if the songs are correct, should we be supporting a movement mm-hmm. financially uh, that would um, that would that would eventually maybe even intentionally lead us back to some right. of these alleged? Let's call it alleged at this point. <laughs> alleged things that these right. uh, three groups might embrace. Yeah. And at what at where do you draw the line? You know, at what point is it just a difference in? Um, secondary or tertiary issues from a theological standpoint. Yep. Just some like church government, like, well, this this particular movement has female pastors. Well, this other one thinks that, you know, Jesus was born again. Well, those are two different categories of yeah. issue. And some of them are a much bigger deal that are less fundamental to the core of what it is to be a Christian. And so, I mean, I think that's part of what we're gonna try to explore. We're gonna try to explore that when we get into the details. I think, again, sort of framing the conversation, uh, the the first one with with the the songs themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, Troy, I know you're very, uh, you've been, this has been your whole life. And uh, I can tell you that at Westside, we're looking at the lyrics. Mm -hmm. uh, And not only are they theologically accurate, but just would be leading people in the right place. And my opinion is that all three of these movements have put out songs that have moved my soul in a very, very big way. And they are 
there may be something subversive in him, but I haven't been able to pick him up as a as a veteran pastor. So um, I, I think that they're that I think that the songs, most of the songs are great. And I'm sure some of them are not. But some of the songs that we sing, right. and maybe you could have you'd have an example of that. Some of the old hymns that we sing right. have some weird ideas in them, right? Right. Well, you know, it used to be back in the day, uh, there was a song I could sing of your love forever. You remember yeah. that uh -huh. one? And it had a bridge in it. I'm trying to remember exactly how it went, but it talked about, um, you know, God, you have a plan for those who choose you now. And I remember I was um, I was at a church that was very reformed in their theology, and I got grilled by some of the church elders about. You know that we don't choose anything, right? God chooses everything for us. And so they were seeing it through this uh, Calvinistic yeah. filter that was like, no, we can't use that song at all. And then there are other times when actually even here at Westside, I've, you know, as a pastor, I go through the songs with a fine tooth comb to make sure there's not something from a theological standpoint that really doesn't ring with where we are at. And there have been times I flat out didn't do a song because yeah. I go, I really like it, but I just can't. I can't say that. Yeah, I can't say that with with integrity. I think that we can we can uh, on that particular point of view. I think we can say that all three of these groups have written some very wonderful, right. inspired, biblically based songs, and the ones that they do that we feel like are that we'll sing them. And probably the church, if you don't attend Westside, is probably doing the same thing with that integrity. And I think that's really good. Right. The question then becomes, you know, but if 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 they're really supporting something that's inappropriate or are we actually supporting them? And I think that's a that's a good question. Right. Uh, and I'll give you two examples. Um, we have um, a, a family member who was an elder at a church uh, recently, uh -huh. and uh, there was four elders, and the pastor moved in the direction of the th issues that we're going to talk about with Bethel. Okay, it wasn't about singing the songs and being unaware. It was actually moving into right. some of these things. And they sat down with him and um, and he basically said, nope, I'm moving in this direction. So he was mm -hmm. in, intentionally moving in the direction. And uh, they had to leave the church. And wow. it's been devastating for them. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up, because right. it didn't affect me that much. But I started seeing it affecting the body of Christ and others. We should have a conversation with it. I, it was first brought up to me by by people here at Westside. Mm -hmm. And I had never really even heard the issue before, uh, but it was it really gotten out there. And so as shepherds, we need to right. address it. Now, with, with that said, uh, I also met with a pastor, a group of pastors this last week, someone I highly, highly respect. And he actually looked at the association issue and decided there's just enough good songs out there. And they've decided not to do right. Bethel songs. And uh, so, and I, I totally respect them. And some of that goes back to Romans chapter 14, where, um, where Paul is basically telling us there are some categories uh, that it might be, it could be good either way, you know, it, and, and you just have to determine in your mind what works for you mm -hmm. and, and then respect if another believer chooses a different path. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is going to be one of those because the association thing is a really hard one because many of you might have uh, watched Disney Plus. Right. And so, you know, <laughs> you're thinking, wow, well, yeah. I can tell you there is a bunch of things that Disney right. is involved in that are very, very much against the the, the, the mm -hmm. scriptures. And, and, and so yet when you do Disney Plus, you're supporting that movement. Right. And some would argue, well, this is different, but it's closer. I'm not sure that that I see the the difference in it, right. um, except it could be a little bit more harmful for people because we're talking theology. Yeah, What's you're your point about, of view? It's when you're talking about things that you know. Let's let's like you know drinking milk from the Christian cow. Do mm -hmm. we, we where where do you draw the line? Well, do you buy Procter and Gamble products, and well, they support abortion clinics. I mean, and it's hard to say. 
where where do you completely disengage from any association with anything that's problematic? I think maybe a difference is because this is part of our worship as a as a Christ following community, and um, that maybe there's a little bit more gravity to the things we choose to do in there than things that you know necessarily where we buy our toothpaste from. Yeah. Um, at least that's kind of how I've been thinking about it. Yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, for Westside at this point, we haven't, the pastors haven't decided to not do these songs. We're looking at them historically like we've always done it. And I'm not sure that's the goal of this particular podcast is for you to decide or not decide to listen to the music. But be aware that in each of these movements, and particularly Bethel, there are things that the leaders either overtly are behind or allegedly behind, (laughs) and we'll be very careful uh, as we can, that you need to be aware of. And even though the song might be awesome and great, uh, and you can choose to listen to them, or in your faith, you may choose not to listen to them, but we do want you to know that there's some things that are, which we would consider a bit unusual, and some of them just down and outright, not really, and and uh, just to be aware of them, and just yeah. to be more uh, acknowledgeable, uh, knowledgeable that here's this trusted source of worship music mm-hmm. that you get, and you want your local pastors to be able to speak into it and make you aware that there is a, a tie back to some things that you just need to be super careful of. Yeah, would you say? Yeah, I think so, and I think um, too when there's a, it's a little bit unfair that uh, churches like Bethel and Hillsong and Elevation get sort of lumped together right. in the same problematic category because one, there are three different churches with three different sets of leaders and different practices. And although I'd say Hillsong and Elevation share some pretty strong similarities yeah. based on their theological uh, constructs as more charismatic churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're dealing with Bethel primarily as having some stuff that from a theological and a practical standpoint are really kind of unusual and a little bit disturbing. Um, and at the same time, you know, tossing out terms like false teacher are very serious accusations. Yeah. Those are very heavy things to say about any other uh, leader in the kingdom. And so I just think we need to be cautious with the way we look at these things and and uh, and also have a little bit of grace. Yes, grace and truth. Like, yeah. let's, let's go for the truth, but let's have grace. And, and uh, Westside uh, and Troy and I, we do not want to come and be legalistic in any sort of right. way or be caustic or mm-hmm. slandering. I mean, all the things that the scriptures invites us to be against, you know, <laughs> we are practicing yeah. by trying to lead you to the truth. I mean, just, right. that's not right. right. So. And there's there's also a lot of movement, especially on the Internet, because everybody has a voice of folks who sort of deemed themselves to be the doctrine police. Yeah. And um, they, they just their their hobby is going after everyone in one detail of, of some kind of secondary issue. I remember back, I used to work for Rick Warren years ago. Yeah. And he got accused of all kinds of stuff. I'm like going, I don't think so. They call it Tully was an Islamist at one yeah. point and um, some other large churches, they were throwing stones because he was preaching the gospel light. And it was like some of that was probably just born of a little bit of resentment. Yep. And a little bit of envy because because his ministry was so significant, and there may be some of that attached to these um, churches because they're so globally visible, yeah. and they are so influential in the worship movement um, that it, it would surprise me if there wasn't something in there motivating. Them. My this check in my spirit is that 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 the one of the reasons I I wanted to do this was because it's become a popular topic. I did not want to join in the bandwagon right. of those who were trying to poo poo success. 
these these these, these songs have been really uh, po powerful mm -hmm. songs. You know, I'm, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I mean, right. that's a Bethel song, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's just that's pretty solid right there, right? <laughs> that's pretty great. And uh, and so I do believe human nature always wants to uh, uh, you know attach themselves to a big movement out of mm -hmm. resentment, envy, or even trying to get some airtime themselves, get some more likes on right. social media or whatever. Our heart is to really give the people a, right. a sense of balance. So maybe maybe we should dive into yeah, a little bit of the Bethel be stuff first. Sure. So hmm. Bethel Church is in Redding, California, extremely significant in the worship area. Tons of great music has come out of this church. Uh, they have a school for um, what they call uh, for supernatural ministry, mm -hmm. which is kind of an interesting thing mm -hmm. to, to explore. And their pastor, Bill Johnson, has written a number of books. And he's a, he's a very, they hold conferences constantly, constantly training leaders who are coming out of that church. And so uh, over the years, he's become extremely influential, especially with young leaders all around the United States. And so... Um, so their music has been really great, but there have been some points of contention with them from more or less a theological standpoint. And uh, we've got we've kind of enumerated a few of these things here. And, and Randy, if you want to just kind of like maybe maybe pick on some of the ones that you feel are more significant. Than one others. of the most significant one is around this word kenosis. You you, mm -hmm. you brought that out. And the word kenosis is a, a Greek word that's used in Philippians mm -hmm. 2, speaking that Christ emptied himself and. Um, and uh, I think what I gather in Bill Johnson's um, teachings is that he carries the concept just a little too far right. and is robbing Jesus of his full divinity mm -hmm. while he was on earth. Now, it's interesting, Troy, and you and I have talked about this. Right. I've got a new book coming out called His Mighty Strength, where I take a point of view that is very orthodox, but it's the minority point of view. Yeah. That's okay. And uh, it's called the kenosis motif, where, um, where during the time that Jesus is on earth, mm -hmm. he didn't lose his divinity, but he res restricted himself uh, the access to the three omnis, right, omnipresent, right, right. omniscience, and uh, and uh, um, omnipotence. omnipotence. Yeah. So all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, and that he limited himself. He didn't change it. So he didn't change his nature. Right. Uh, you it, know, it was self-restrained. It was self-restrained mm -hmm. in that if you read the Gospels, uh, and we're going to do a series on it in um, uh, right after Easter, right. and just really, it's really fascinating. I think... From what I can tell, Bill takes it a step further mm -hmm. and and has the time when Jesus is on earth that he's not 100% divinity. Right. And uh, I think that's somewhat problematic and will right. be considered pretty much heretical. And it even kind of goes to the, to the point of saying that Jesus was actually born again. Yeah. Uh, via his via his baptism, yeah. um, as opposed to it being something that is more or less a, an example for us or a model for us as Christ followers. So, yeah, that's one that is it's a little kind of on the edge, makes me a little bit uncomfortable. But um, I don't know, how, how is it a deal breaker? Um, you know, anything that takes away um, the divinity of Jesus, I don't think Bill is trying to say that Jesus doesn't have divinity now that he's back with the Father, but maybe the time on earth that mm -hmm. he, he, you know, sort of uh, set it aside. Right, right. Um, I just think that, you know, crosses a little bit, right. uh, crosses the line a little bit. Maybe it's much. a semantic issue more that it's like, this, yeah. what does set aside really mean for yeah. him? yeah. Um, I'm, I would be more uncomfortable with this idea Jesus had to be born again. Yes, yeah. Um, that, that's really like, that's, there's, I don't know, I've never heard that before. No. Uh, apart from this. So um, I can see the analogy, but I mean, it would have to, uh, uh, it, it seems to imply that Jesus had sin, I guess, you mm -hmm, know. So right. there may be something I'm misunderstanding, but it's a little bit challenging. Okay. How, can you speak to the uh, uh, dominionism? Uh, 
a little bit? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it sounds to me like it's it's part of their eschatology. Mm-hmm. That, in other words, the way that the things that they believe about the end time, Jesus coming back, the rapture, that kind of thing. And they believe that the church, the Christians were preparing to rule the earth, to have dominion over the earth in preparation for Jesus' return. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they mean that the thousand year reign or something, but it seems to be apart from Christ that the church is going to ha- uh, have that dominion. So they're reading that. Somehow they're re- reading that out of Revelation. Well, you know, the three main views are amillennial, mm-hmm. premillennial, right. postmillennial. post-millennial yeah. And uh, I think this is a postmillennial point of view, mm-hmm. which is not heretical. Uh, uh, you know, amillennial is uh, is the most common point of view. Right. Uh, premillennial is where I was trained at Dallas Theological Seminary, right. uh, and I'm I would be relatively sure that Westside, even though most people don't, I mean, probably pretty open ended. Not really chase on that, that yep. one out. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it's really I think it's really wise to not like drill down too right. much on that one. It's really super hard. If you've got Daniel and Ezekiel and Revelation all figured out, then yeah, uh, good luck. Then yeah. uh, don't tell anybody because yeah, you ruin it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, there is a, a view that says that instead of their you know the world going down mm-hmm. and then Christ you know you know raptures up his body and there's a thousand years, is that actually the, that the church is going to lead us into not a downward spiral but a positive upward spiral. The right. church is going to uh, lead us into the uh, into the coming of the kingdom. Right, and I, I think that the. Uh, that is a, is not it, it's it's gaining in popularity. I don't think that is a uh, a deal breaker. Right, and it's it's not a new thing. It's something that's been around the church, you know, on and off for thousands of years. Um, so a lot of people talk about the prosperity gospel, yeah. and um, and depending on what strain of Christianity that mm-hmm. you run in, if you're a more of a liturgical or more of an evangelical, you're probably more sensitized to things that ring of the prosperity gospel, meaning um, that you can call on Jesus and he He means for you to live successfully on the world's terms. Right. Financially successful, successful in your health, su- successful in terms of stature and status, um, that that's part of what it is to have kingdom living. And there are lots of, especially in the charismatic sort of stream of Christianity, there's a lot of significant teachers out there that just one degree or another hold to that. Yeah, they do. Uh, and it's really hard to nail down because it comes down to a question of motive sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Right. I mean, it's, it's a motive. It's like, uh, I, I think I think God does bless his people mm-hmm. more ways than just uh, material. And I think these guys would probably say, oh, yeah, we, we believe that too. Mm-hmm. But he certainly means really nice cars and big houses and right. and and because we're the leaders you know we're going to model that and i think that's where people get that check in their spirit mm-hmm. it's not you know that you know troy that shirt's too expensive for a pastor to wear i mean right. you got to be careful with this whole thing <laughs> right you got to be careful with it you know who says you know driving this particular car right. when in the world most people don't even have two pairs of underwear you know so you got to be careful when you start getting legalistic about all that but i yeah. think the idea is is that that it causes people to pursue their faith with the primary goal of getting. Right. And I don't think that's the heart of worship. And these, all three of the of the movements mm-hmm. uh, here, Bethel, Hillsong, and Elevation, have that, right. a little bit of that feel or flavor to it. And I just think it's one of those things you gotta be really, really careful of. Yeah. God does bless his people, um, and uh, but God also brings trial. You know, you know, ask, you know, ask a number of the characters in the Bible. It's like, wow, that didn't really ring true right. for me, you know. Right. And that's part of this, this uh, another item in that particular vein of Christianity called word of faith, which is 
you know, you've maybe you've heard the term name it, claim it yeah. in, in mm-hmm. uh, uh, outside of those circles. But really what it is, it's, it's, it's related to this prosperity sensitivity to uh, God wants everything for me. And so all I have to do is just speak out in faith. Yeah. Right. And I can move the mountain mm-hmm. and I can get the Mercedes or I can I can get the, the raise or whatever it is. But there's this this uh, really strong sense attached to the prosperity gospel of you have to speak it into existence, which in a lot of ways sounds kind of like the secret, mm-hmm. uh, which was sort of a new age-ish mm-hmm. philosophical, you know, speak positivity in the world and it will, positivity will come back to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, uh, I, uh, my view of scripture is that um, in those teachings, like the, the faith to move a mountain, mm-hmm. uh, in my study of scripture, um, the power of God is of the Holy Spirit is only unleashed in accordance with the will of God, right. not with my will. And I think that's where this concept is a little bit off. Mm-hmm. I'm not against authority, you know, us having spiritual authority, and I'm not, uh, you know, about you know the 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 power of the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I, I, and when I read scriptures, it was never for the will of that person what they wanted. If you look at the life of Jesus. Everything about him is learning what the will of the Father is. I will right. move. I won't speak until. And then it's it's like the, then if it's in accordance with the will of the Father, the Holy Spirit empowers it. And I think again, you, you get off just a little couple degrees, and it's now all of a sudden mm-hmm. this is what I want—the Mercedes or whatever—as opposed to really submitting ourselves to the will of God and then watching the power of God mm-hmm. um, move that mountain. Well, it's the perspective of saying, God, I want you to bless what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. I want you to bless my story as opposed to understanding my role is to take my part in your story. That's exactly right. What it is your blessing. Perfect. That's a that's the best way to say it. And that's the Christian life that you're going to read about in the Bible. So um, for sure. Well, and kind of related to that is um, they, they have a pretty significant ministry in the area of healing mm-hmm. and they do a lot of training in their supernatural school of ministry on how, how can you be participate in this uh, this they believe that it's a present gift that you can have. They're not cessationist, right? They believe yeah. they're continuous. So they believe that the, the supernatural gifts of the spirit are still available and operating today. And whether you agree with that or you don't agree with that, um, it's very heavily in their theology. So uh, Bill Johnson, who's the, the lead pastor, he would say that it's always God's will to heal, always, right? And he says this, this is a quote from one of his books. He says, I refuse to create a theology that allows for sickness. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I, again, I think there's some some super truth to this, and I think that um, um, cessationist movements, which is simply people who believe that some of the gifts uh, ceased, uh, you know, sometimes those groups of people, I try not to lump myself one or the other, you know, um, live without the sense of of wonder and power and right. the miracle. So I think that you can go too far in that direction and say, man, all the stuff you read about in the New Testament is just not even available. And God does nothing supernatural anymore. And and I just don't think that is right either. That's just sort Mm -hmm. of a, it's sort of a dead faith, if you will. But I think what happens is when you cross a line, you know, uh, you know, uh, and I think some of this, I, I don't know enough about their personal situation, but I've seen in my ministry uh, where it just, you know, the idea I refuse to create a theology that allows for sickness. Right. I, I, now he may may be thinking something different. Uh, that that doesn't ring true, uh, you know, for you know my brother-in-law who just died mm-hmm. of of a rare cancer, right. and I prayed every single day for him. Mm-hmm. with as much faith as I possibly could. 
and he still died. And yet I do believe ultimately, and he did as well, that Jesus did heal him by his wounds right. and that we're going to understand the good story that God is writing. And we're really holding on to that. So it's this this taken too far just, just leads to some very challenging places. Well, and if you think about it logically, then why does anybody die if if resurrection can be claimed? Right, just by the, your word of faith, they and they do have what they call a dead raising team, yeah, who has claimed to have raised twelve different people. Um, a, a couple of years ago, they had something really tragic happen with one of their worship leaders at the church, and that they had a two-year-old little girl named Olive who passed away, and it was obviously they were all wrecked by this, and they actually dedicated themselves to praying for Olive's resurrection. So there was this hashtag going around uh, social media called Wake Up Olive. And they they passionately and they prayed and they prayed. It was for weeks and weeks that the church uh, was committed to praying for Olive's resurrection. Um, obviously, that, that didn't happen. Yeah. And um, I imagine there's a lot of disillusionment and, and wreckage that comes along with that kind yeah. of experience. Yeah, you know, it, it, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, keep in mind it wasn't a resurrection; it was a resuscitation. And you don't you really get this in the uh, you know it's not recorded in the scripture. But the person who was probably the least excited about it was Lazarus. I'm sure at some point he, he whispered into Jesus's ear, "So, I'm good. so I get to die again. Thank you. I'm hope that right. I hope this illustration helped you." And then, and as a matter of fact, that's what it did. Yeah. It, it was really proving out who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And it was it was not to, because why wouldn't Jesus out of love raise everybody from the dead? Right. Well, the ultimate is they're going to die again. Yeah. The, the big, big message in the scriptures is that Jesus, through Jesus, God the Father and the Holy Spirit has come up with the plan to overcome our problem. And it's not for us to continue to live in a world filled with sin and disease and right. fear and hatred, but it is to once and all uh, yeah. for, forgive us of our sins. Yeah, this body of the first Adam is not is, is perishable and has to go away. And the reality is we don't die as Christians. You know, our body gives out, our spirit goes to be with the Lord awaiting the return of Christ right. and our resurrection where we will experience the resurrection right. where we'll never die again. And this needs to be the primary focus of the Christian today. That is the undeniable sense of the gospel. And I think we get into some real dangerous places here in messing with people when we take it too far. That saying, I want to say again, that I am not, I am, I am not saying that I don't want to see the Holy Spirit move or that I don't think God heals people or I don't even think God pe raises people from the dead. I just think it's got, you got to be super careful when you cross the line. Yeah. And then it has become more about you exercising your authority yeah. rather to your glory than to God's glory. I mean, sometimes that thing can be very self-gratifying and self-appreciating. Um, yeah. You know, it's like it's somehow... So in this particular kind of church, too, there's there's tends to be a view of the senior pastor um, as like he's the prophet, right? So in the evangelical church, the pastor tends to be the rabbi. He's more the teacher, right? And then... And you get into uh, liturgical circles and you have the priest, right? And they operate as a priest, kind of as a mediator of some sorts. And in the charismatic circles, they're very much the prophet. And there can be an elevation of that role mm -hmm. that sort of makes them um, above question. Yeah. And we see that actually in all three of these we churches do. that we're talking about here today. And it's honestly, it's not that unusual. Yeah, no, it's not. all the time in, uh, in not mm -hmm. just charismatic churches, but in a lot of churches, they'll sort of have a senior pastor who is sort of above question or above um, critique yeah. in any way. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's an appropriate um, 
uh, respect for an office, you know, office of president, office mm-hmm. of pastor. Uh, I think I think that's good. But I think, um, you know, like here at Westside, you know, we we way play that down, this priesthood of all believers. Right. Uh, the, the really, the, the reality is our, our people are the ministers. We're the equippers of the ministers. Right. And um, and so we really try, we, we tell people that you can, you know, you, I, I, I can bless you like in the Aaronic, you know, blessing of number six, but so can you because you're right. a priesthood of the believer. You can simply just choose to bless somebody, you know, just like just by speaking a word of encouragement to them. Hey, let's talk about um, the 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 number one thing that comes out that's always weird <laughs> is the grave soaking yeah, thing. So I'm, right. I'm going to give you a chance to explain to everybody oh, what grave soaking is. This is where it gets a bit weird and... <laughs> And um, so this something I guess surprised me. I had some students over at Mid American Nazarene who were who were telling me about this. I'm like, what are you talking about? So let me just see if I can spell it out. There is this practice that there's a belief that there is an anointing or a mantle of authority that is on these uh, historic leaders. And this mantle and this anointing is is can be reclaimed to be used in the present day. And so they, and I don't know how this surfaced or how it got developed, but they would actually go and physically lay down on the graves of people like Charles Finney, uh, William Branham. Um, and even we see a picture of uh, Bill Johnson's wife laying on the grave of C.S. Lewis. You know, there's pictures of these things. You can just, you can watch them. And the theory is that they are going to reclaim the anointing of these historic leaders. Um, and they're, so they're soaking the anointing from that place. So probably coming from the Elijah, Elisha uh, mm-hmm. encounter of the Old Testament where uh, Elisha is asking for the mantle to be, and then so as, as, as Elijah is right. ascending, the, the mantle falls on him. I, right. I would believe that that would somehow be the, right. the, the place where they're getting that from. I sure hope from. so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but apart from that, it's, it's very, uh, obviously an unusual practice, not a very common practice. Now I know Bill Johnson himself said that he um, didn't necessarily affirm it. He, okay. he wasn't condoning it. This is something that actually apparently popped up in their youth ministry okay. and it was kind of operating out there and got public before, at least that's, that's what I read before he was really aware of it. Now he's not... He's not telling them to stop either. Right. Okay. But uh, he does say something here. This is in Bill's book, uh, Physics of Heaven. He says this, there are anointings, mantles, revelations, and mysteries that have lain unclaimed literally where they were left because the generation that walked in them never passed them on. I believe it's possible for us to recover realms of anointing, realms of insight, realms of God that have been untended for decades simply by choosing to reclaim them and perpetuate them for future generations. Now, he doesn't say how. You reclaim right. them, and perhaps they took it on themselves to come up with a device to do that. But at the end of the day, um, that that's that's probably is the supporting thought behind that activity. Yeah, so I think it's important for us to you know to to uh, you know have Bill Johnson's back in that that he doesn't necessarily firm this practice, mm-hmm. but at the same time doesn't say stop. And and what he's saying right here, I can just say that. Um, Wow, he might be right, but what I've read the scriptures over all these years, I haven't seen this as one of the things that we're supposed to pre- be preoccupied with. Mm-hmm. I would preoccupy myself with the things that are repeated over and over again about the way in which we practice the right. Christian life. Right. Uh, this would be great if we could pull that off, but uh, I think grave soaking is is uh, yeah. is probably not something I see as happening or helpful helpful i don't <laughs> yeah. it's a bit yeah. creepy yeah it is know? a little it's a little odd and you know it was, we're odd for god enough we don't need to add anything extra to that so 
Um, well, why don't we move on and talk a little bit about yeah. Hillsong and Elevation. Um, there are some similarities there. Hillsong is probably is very, very large. You have uh, churches all over the world. I mean, I've been, I taught at a worship conference at their church in Kiev in the uh, Ukraine yeah. years mm -hmm. ago. Yeah. Um, and they're really, I mean, extraordinary influence in the area of worship. And then you have, uh, you have their, their primary leader, Brian uh, Houston, and his wife, Bobby, and they would say that they, the two of them, are the senior pastors of Hillsong Church. So they come from more of an assembly of God background where the husband and the wife would, they, because they're married, they would be considered to be the pastors because mm -hmm. they are of one flesh, yeah. right? So some people have an issue with it, you know, women pastors, some people don't, but that's one of the things that uh, pops up. That really stands out. And uh, related to Hillsong, uh, I, I know <clears throat> I've been around Brian Houston. Uh, he doesn't know me very well. Uh, and I've been around a number of Hillsong uh, pastors, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and uh, I know they love the Lord deeply mm -hmm. and they preach the gospel and uh, they have some different leanings right. from a church like Westside. Um, and, uh, and again, uh, and I think that, that both Hillsong and then Elevation have mm -hmm. a little bit of, a little bit of that prosperity gospel seems to leak right. a little bit. Right. I mean, I can't say I know for sure or they declare it, but yeah. it, it just feels a little bit that way. I think they, their messaging, their, their teaching is, is more kind of one notice. So it's like where you might have a sermon that's got three, four, five points into it, and it's all biblically supported, and you structure it and everything. In their teaching, they tend to have, like, here's, I have one point, and it's about inspiration. Mm -hmm. And so they'll spend the whole time, it's like, you know, you can fulfill your destiny in Christ, and you can be everything that God is calling you to be. And look, they're great messages, and they're, they are inspiring, but they tend to be about you, mm -hmm. right? They tend to be about you being more than mm -hmm. you you currently are. Yeah. Um, and so that can lead to a faith that's a little bit um, self-regarding. Yeah. And so, and you just sometimes see that in the music. I've always, as a worship pastor, was cautioned of if the weight of the music is about me and my feelings and my thoughts and my dreams and my life, and I love that you're in my life. Those kinds of songs I got yeah. really queasy about because mm -hmm. we're worshiping God for who he is and what he has done. I think that's really good, uh, Troy. Very, very good. It's a discerning thing for all of you, mm -hmm. uh, whether you're coming to Westside or any, I've, and, and I've seen this come in, uh, in in other forms other than Hillsong Elevation, where mm -hmm. the teacher is always teaching there's hope and everything's gonna be okay and you're gonna right. make it and uh, and God comes into your world, your right. space and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and that is true. And we right. need to be about hope and all that, but there's other aspects to the teachings of scripture that uh, that have to be factored in mm -hmm. uh, to the the whole counsel of God and uh, and I know that it draws people because people want to hear a positive message right. and uh, but you know the seven woes of Jesus eventually have to be taught you know <laughs> right. you know right and they do have a tendency um, especially I would say Brian Houston uh, to, they and and the Hillsong culture there's a lean away from any talk of anything that might be considered negative I like including things like sin mm. um, I felt matter of fact Carl Lentz who's the pastor of Hillsong in New York City flat out says he does not talk about sin um, you know and and their their thought is they don't want anybody to feel any condemnation right and but it's more about creating a positive emotional relationship with the church yeah it does, it's right? not saying that they don't believe that sin's a problem right they just don't want to talk about it in those events and and um, we did the series on Romans, and I, mm -hmm. I said sin more times than I've said it in my entire life because <laughs> because Romans 
that right. first section just really wants you to know that grace isn't all that great if you don't, first of all, recognize how much you need it because of the sin uh, that was trans. I, you know, I uh, em embrace the concept that sin is transmitted to us through Adam and Eve, and it is we're in a really, really dark place. And if you never really address with it, that, then there's never this sort of sense of repentance. Mm -hmm. And the only God didn't just give us a happy uh, emotion; He gave us the ability to enter into mourning and to mm -hmm. enter into sorrow, and it's all a part of the redemption process. And so, while I want us to be uh, end on a positive note, I mean that's the gospel. But we have to go through these different seasons. And so we're not, you know, we're not saying they don't believe in sin or anything. I'm just saying that you got to be discerning wherever church you go to, that it can't just all be about you're going to be okay and you're good. And mm -hmm. I mean, th there's a there's a broader um, gospel that's that the, right. the scriptures actually teaches. And I think what um, it seems that people, maybe the primary issue they have is with one, we talked a little bit about the sort of the unquestionable leadership, mm -hmm. which can be very isolating for leaders yeah. if they don't if everyone tells them everything they do is right and godly and inspired by the spirit you can wind up with you can get a little bit sideways in ways that we've seen with church leaders in the past whether they're just kind of on the edge with how they handle finances just on the edge of how they find, uh, handle their relationships with women who are not their wives just right on that kind of they can kind of skirt those yeah. boundaries in a way that makes us a little uncomfortable and makes them a little bit vulnerable yeah mm -hmm. um and so that's one of the things that pops up is that sort of unquestioned leadership. And then the other piece of that is there as both with both Hillsong and Elevation, and I would say with Bethel as well, there's a very strong lack of transparency regarding finances. Mm -hmm. So you can, you're never going to find out how much money Stephen Furrick makes. You're never going to find out, you know, uh, how much money is Hillsong uh, music, which is intertwined with the church as well as Elevation, as well as Bethel. Well, that money goes back into the church and uh, even books that Stephen Furks write, that money is sort of, they, there's there's a strange lack of boundaries, it seems, mm -hmm. in the way the finances are ha handled with external resources versus church finances and a lack of transparency about, well, how much is, a, is it appropriate for a pastor to make and what should he drive and how big should his house be or not be? Yeah, um, There's an issue with Stephen Furtick that he he received some critique because he, he just built a 16,000 foot square foot house out in Charlotte that's about $1.7 million. And there were helicopters flying over it and taking pictures and was, you know, and then he was kind of coy about it for a while. It's like, not that great of a house. Then he finally admitted, yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> um, but those are the kinds of things when, when there's no uh, it's apparent accountability mm -hmm. that can become problematic and mm -hmm. potentially taint people's experience with the music. I mean, sorry, I talked a lot there, but that's... No, 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 that's good. I mean, I just think it's, again, uh, you know, it's it, we're not going to sit here and say, you know, you know, uh, you know, what, what that level is mm -hmm. or whatever, but there is that perception, that appearance mm -hmm. that you have to be very, very careful of, and you got to have the right accountability, uh, which uh, we do here at Westside. We have a great, uh, a great structure of advisory teams that have checks and balances, mm -hmm. uh, make sure that things are appropriate, and um, yeah. and uh, it's all on, uh, you know, on board. I mean, you and I don't ever sign checks and things right. like that. I haven't even, I don't even know where the checkbook's at. Yeah, I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess so. At that point, you talk about. We talked about their association because these are all charismatic churches with things like Word of Faith and other teachers like say that some people love a teacher like say T.D. Jakes. Mm -hmm. They think he's wonderful. Some people think he's a false prophet. Some people love Joel Osteen. Some people think he's terrible. Joyce Meyer, Christine Kane, 
all these other folks. Some people are okay with women in the pulpit, some people aren't. Um, I guess the question is, you know, we're uncomfortable maybe in certain sects of evangelicalism with some of these practices, but are they uh, places that you draw in the sand? In other words, is that a hill you're willing to die That's on right. and, and not use this music that might be a blessing or, or not? Where, where, where do you think that boundary my, is? My, I think that's a great way to, to frame it up. I, th I think the thing we've got to do first and foremost is identify what are the the big, the big ones, mm -hmm. you know, like the, like the Apostles' Creed, right. you know, the Nicene Creed, you know, those fundamental truths. And uh, I wouldn't go uh, too legalistic, you know, wait uh, much below that list in terms of uh, my fellowship with other mm -hmm. believers. Um, there are some things, though, that do break into the heretical, yeah. uh, but there's a lot of leeway <laughs> right. uh, in between there. And again, I go to that Romans 14 passage, which says that everyone needs to be convinced in their own mind and if if your if your spirit says this isn't right, then then don't engage in it. Um, you know something that's not super duper clear. Mm -hmm. uh, don't engage in it. And then if you have a brother that does, then don't be all angry with right. him uh, at that level. So um, I personally, uh, when it comes to just kind of the saying, will will Westside stop singing these songs? At this point, we haven't really had a super broad conversation. Yeah about it other than we are going to continue as always to evaluate the quality of each and every song that we sing to make sure we're not misleading the people. Right. I think that's our basic idea. Right. Um, if this thing blows up any further and leads people, uh, you know, just gets, you know, I could see us maybe coming to that point saying it just makes sense right. that of all the great songs that are out there, let's, why don't we, you know, do it. the other thing I would say is um, I would probably just want you to be aware of what, biblical truths are out there and just have a uh, have those in forefront of your mind i probably wouldn't recommend attending a bethel church right uh, i think i could i don't want to be I, just, I feel super weird about being judgmental about telling people not to go to church but you know based upon this list of things mm -hmm. i don't know that i would feel comfortable uh, but doesn't necessarily mean that the song that they're producing uh, doesn't move the spirit. I can't right. deny the fact that, you know, I was led into the presence of God by a number of their songs. Right. Yeah. And, you you know, you got to ask yourself, what does God use? If, if we wanted to draw a line in the sand with sinners, we could just say, well, we better quit reading the Psalms because David was a, an adulterer and a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that. Other, apart from that, he had a great career um, and a terrible father, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, if anybody was going to be disqualified, it would have been David or perhaps Paul. I mean, uh, who, you know, was a persecutor of the church. And, you know, God redeems all of us and all of our squirreliness. And I certainly wouldn't want anybody to be digging too much under my hood. At the same time, um, there are some things I like, for instance, and I know Westside has started leaning away from using Bethel music mm -hmm. um, just because there's a lot of great music out there. Yeah. There's a lot of great choices to be made. And if it's creating a bunch of sideways energy with your people, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's not worth it. Yeah, that's good. Um, um, and at the same time, we want to focus on the things that unite us versus mm -hmm. the things that divide us. You know, you oh. have you have dogma. Right. Which is the fundamentals of the church. We could say the Apostles Creed falls into that. It's like, no, these are the. Irreducible minimums of what it is to be a Christian. Yeah. Uh, then you have the area of doctrine, mm -hmm. right? We could be talking about gifts of the Spirit or baptism or the sacraments or how you handle maybe even church government, things like that. And those might fall into that doctrinal area yep. that they're they're secondary. They're not, you know, 
there's differences, obviously, amongst people who call themselves Christ followers. And I'm sure when we get to heaven, God's going to say, Randy, you are the one guy who got it all right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I don't <laughs> see that happening. But, yeah. <laughs> but, and then there's a third level of opinion. Yeah. And there's lots of opinions about a lot of things out there. What is pr appropriate? What isn't? So I just think we focus on what binds us together. Yeah. Um, and then the person of Jesus and the infallibility of scripture and salvation by grace. And, you know, those things that, man, you don't, you, you want to die on those hills. Yeah. And some of these other ones, you got to just figure out, well, am I uncomfortable enough with this that it's not worth it? Right. Yeah. yeah. Is it just getting us too sideways? Is it worth, you know, the energy there years ago? What was the um, David Crowder song about? Uh, oh, no, no, no. It, it might have come out of Bethel. It was about you know, a sloppy wet kiss. Remember that line? Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, and I did it once here. And anybody who was over fifty or like more, more like sixty was got all bent out of shape about sloppy wet kiss. And it's like it's gross and it's weird. And it's like no, like a, like your child. And like no, and you know, so it was like. So we changed the lyric because it was a great song. It was the song How He Loves. And it's like, okay, well, we bypassed all that unnecessary sideways energy. It wasn't worth making these people uncomfortable over yeah, here. Yeah. That's a very minor thing. Yeah. Um, but I think the principle applies to what we're talking about. I think, about. Uh, I know we need to wrap up here, uh, but I would say a couple things. One, I think your, your, your three levels is very, very important. And the driver of it is that we want to, we want to talk more about what we're what we're for than what we're against. Right. That's for sure. We do have to sometimes d deal with these issues that that get people sideways and try to bring some positive clarity to it. Uh, I would recommend a book uh, if you're interested in doctrine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called The Mosaic of Christian Belief by Roger Olson. Uh, and it basically takes all the main beliefs of doctrines uh -huh. and goes through and says, here's what the church is unified on. And then it goes and says, here's appropriate diversity that's not heretical. And then here is what clearly crosses a line. So if you're into that kind of thing, it's an wow. easy read, a little bit thick. Mosaic of Christian Doctrine. Mosaic of Christian Belief. 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 By Roger Olson, okay. a, uh, a Baylor prof. And I thought it was just a great uh, primer for yeah. people to kind of get a, a sense of, of that. And super helpful for, for people who like to read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, for the literate amongst us. Yes. Yeah. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed your time with us today. And we uh, this is our first time. This is going to be a learning curve for us as we go into the future and we do this more and we chase out some more issues that are important to you. And as pastors, our desire is to help equip you to operate in the real world with real clarity and real conviction about what Jesus is calling us to do and what he's calling us to be. So next week, we're going to begin uh, part one in our series, What Does Jesus Have to Say? We're going to be jumping right in with a hot topic on critical theory, which yeah. is sort of this, this uh, worldview that is the underpinnings of a lot of the things that might be um, seem irrational that we're observing in academia and around the country in, in many, many ways. So we're going to attempt to unpack a little bit about that and let you know as a Christ follower, how do we respond in a way that honors Jesus and loves people where they are? Mm -hmm. So if you don't know it, you probably experienced it or encountered this thing, and hopefully we're going to give you some tools to help you get through that. So thank you so much for being with us this week. We'll see you next time. We hope the conversation has challenged you and perhaps sparked some new ideas. If you'd like some additional notes and helpful links, visit the episode page at westsidefamily.church slash podcast. And if you have questions, we'd love to hear them. Our last episode of the season, we'll devote an entire show to your questions. So you can also tell us what topics you'd like to hear and discuss in the future. Thank you for joining us today and God bless you.